The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. All right, boys and girls, my name is Nubias Wilborn. The name of the marquee is Beer. It is. Shout out to Classic and Melly for allowing me to do the show each and every week on the CSPN Network. And today, I am at Meehan's Public House, a.k.a. The Pub, down here in Midtown-ish in Atlantic Station. But I'm here with a very special guest from Lone Rider, Lone Rider Brewing itself out of North Carolina, my man Galen Smith. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. You doing all right? Man, I'm fantastic, man. Living the dream, man. Good, man. We got beers in front of us. Indeed, indeed. So, man... Let's start with the beer I'm drinking now. Tell me about this beer. Give me the, the elevator pitch, please. Gotcha. So this is Hoppy Kaye. It's uh, it is our Hoppy Kaye. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's our house IPA. Um, came out with it about three years ago, um, and it is a 6.6 percent ABV IPA. Nice. Kinda, Drinks good. Yeah, yeah. Light, kind of golden color. Um, we brewed that originally with uh, Amarillo and Columbus hops, but we've actually recently switched it up to, uh, took out the Amarillo and switched it up to Idaho 7. Idaho 7. That's yeah. an interesting hop that everybody's kind of using that, I guess, experimental hop, right? Yeah. It's made by uh, Lee Jackson from Jackson Farms. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that grows it, and uh, it is a wonderful hop, in my opinion. If you like that kind of tropical fruit, mosaic almost kind of flavor from that you get, uh, then you're going to like Idaho 7. Um, and then we also uh, blended in Mosaic with the Idaho 7 too. So took out the Amarillo and uh, put in Idaho 7 Mosaic. So um, why the switch from the Amarillo? Honestly, uh, it, it was it made for a better beer, I think, nice. than the Amarillo. Um, I kind of wanted to uh, have a nice tropical flavor in there. That is kind of an in vogue thing in the IPAs now. It is, it is. Hoppy Kaye with the Amarillo was, was fine. Um, but it was definitely, I, I, we like to call it like a throwback mm. IPA or the retro IPA. Retro IPA. Yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that. Throwback, retro. Yeah. Nice. But uh, but the Mosaic and the Idaho 7, I believe, it makes a, a better product. And it, and, like I said, and it looks clean. It's got It's just enough cloudy without like, okay, I'm not a big fan of the cloudy beers where they manufacture the cloud. Yeah, absolutely. So, high five there. So, what did you do with this? Was it post-boil on certain hops? Kind of walk me through that. Oh, sure. Yeah, so uh, we boil this beer and all of our beers for 75 minutes. Um, And then we start hopping 60 minutes. So, uh, a very, very small bittering addition for this beer. Um, Just to put it in perspective, for Betty, we use about 20 ounces of of Hercules hops. For Hoppy Kaye, it's three ounces. Ooh, nice. Yeah, very, very small. So we're getting most of our IBUs from late edition. Okay. Um, So you have Mosaic and Idaho 7 uh, and Columbus going in at 20 minutes. And then you have Idaho 7, Mosaic, and Columbus going in at Flame Mountain Whirlpool. Wow. Yeah, so... And this is just your house beer, man. Yeah, this is just our house IPA. Um... And then we dry hop it with uh, Columbus at a rate of about a pound per barrel. Okay. For about five days, crash it, and centrifuge it, because I also like IPA to be fairly clear. Right. And so from there, man, this is just your house beer. And by the way, this the taste on this is smooth, it drinks easy, it's light, I love the color on it, I like the lacing yeah. that it hits the glass as I look at it. 
legitimate good beer here, man. So Thanks. tell me some other things you guys are doing, man. Because I mean, it, this is this is the entry level for you guys. Yeah, um, yeah. There's always kind of cool stuff going on. A lot of stuff that you won't see in the in, the, in our main markets, uh, but we do have a lot of cool side projects going along. We have a um, we started last year doing uh, a series just for Harris Teeter. Okay. Um, and we started off. With, Shout out to Harris Teeter, man. Yeah. Uh, one of the real cool stores you can buy crappy. One of the first places. Do you guys have them down here in Georgia? Uh, we have a couple, but they're kind of up north, so they're not really close. But they do exist in Georgia. But I just know, like in, in your market in particular. They've done a really good job of selling craft and like um, modernizing it as far as getting out there to people who maybe wouldn't have drank craft before. Oh, absolutely. They've, they've been a huge help. But uh, yeah, we started last year doing a, a series for them uh, with a beer called Hop 'em High. So yeah. Double IPA. Okay. Yeah. Hop 'em High. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we've got to explain these names, it, the name of the brewery as we oh, go along right. here. Yeah, but we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, and then we also did a uh, um, a smash, single malt, single hop beer for them uh, with Golden Promise and Whole Leaf Cascade Hops from Crosby Ooh, Hop Farms. Okay, nice. Yes. And uh, we called that one 645 to Raleigh. Um, that was the time that the, the plane got to RDU with those hops overnight. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. I like it. That's yeah. creativity, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're doing that again with them this year. So we just brewed Hop'em High uh, this past week. Hop'em High. Yeah, excited for that one. We're doing the uh, single malt while the 645 to Raleigh again. We'll probably switch out the hop on it this time. Okay. Keep things exciting, you know. Uh, make it switch it out. Make it work. Do some fun things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. And then we... Uh, we have seasonals, so right now we're doing Dead Eye Jack, um, Addie's Revenge, which is another IPA, and uh, and Sundance, which is our Grapefruit Saison. Nice. Yeah, so we can talk about that for a little while if you want. Oh, most definitely. We're definitely going to talk about that. Guys, you're listening to Beer It Is on the CSK Network. My name is Tobias Fullborn. Today, I am here at Meehan's Public House, a.k.a. The Pub, with my man Galen Smith. As he rock and rolls through some of these beers, and now we're looking at this grapefruit saison. I think we're gonna we're gonna crack this open here. I, I think we are. Let's, let's crack I, this I open. Why not? And let's see what this beer is about and what it has going on. It looks the part. I love this label. Tell me about this label before we even crack it open. Tell me about the label. Yeah. So uh, this is. Sundance, um, and he's, he's not like Billy the Kid, or what's going on there? I don't know, he kind of looks like Robert Redford or something. Yeah, we got, we got the little game, we got the little cards going on. Yeah, yeah, he's a sly looking dude, isn't he? He is, man. Yeah, I wouldn't trust him. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but can I trust what's inside the game? I think so. All right. Yeah, I know for a fact. Well, let's uh, crack it open. Sure. So, yeah, this is Sundance, and it is... That is straight Nat Sound, baby, here on the <laughs> podcast. And Grapefruit Saison, uh, added Grapefruit Puree, um... Ooh, so it's going to be a little, little, little tart there. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be like as tart as, say, like uh, a Goza or Berliner Weiss, any of those kind of beers. Okay. But uh, it's definitely balanced with the Belgian yeast flavor. And I really, and I, I just like the look. This can is distinctive. So is this in all your markets? Yeah. Nice. I, I like the way this... This is fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this beer uh, on the hot side was made with uh, Pilsner malt. Nice. Malted wheat, flaked wheat. Um, and then, as far as hops go, we used uh, Jarillo hops, the sort of a newer hop. Mm-hmm. Um, got kind of a melony pear. Ooh, kind of the nose on this is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like 
I'm about to like drink like a, like a, the pink um, grapefruit juice by like Ocean Spray or something. That's, it kind of must what the nose gives me. Let's see what it tastes like. Ooh, that's fun. Wow, that's really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we've made Saisons in the past at Lone Rider. Um, fruit beers are actually fairly new to us. Ooh. So this beer was a little intimidating to me. To okay. Make, but, uh, explain that. Explain that when you say like intimidating to you. Like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, with fruit, you know, what are you going to use? Are you going to use whole fruit? Are you going to use concentrates? Are you going to use extracts? Are you going to use puree? Um, Good you know, point. How are you going to use those in the brewing process? How much of it are you going to use? Touche. You know? Um, so uh, we... And, I'm, I'm not really a season guy, but this thing is yeah. This thing is kicking, man. Nice. No, what's ABV on this beer? This beer is six percent. Wow, that's smooth, man. Mm-hmm. That is quality. Um, so for this one, you said you went with the grapefruit puree. Yeah, explain to me that process and why puree, as you said, as opposed to well, um, and where'd you get the grapefruits, by the way? Yeah, so the, the grapefruit puree is from Oregon Fruit Products. Oh, nice. Um, okay. It's very, very good quality. It's an aseptic product. So it's clean. Yeah, um, that's important. Yeah, um, I didn't want to use whole fruits because I don't have enough time to use whole fruit. Right? <laughs> Understand? Um, that is a process of uh, having to squeeze it. And get, yeah, and that's again, it's man hours, it's labor. Hell yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to use extracts. Extracts tend to be a little uh, medicinal tasting and artificial. Yeah, it tastes cheap, man. Synthesized. Yeah. So I didn't want to use that. I want to use something that came as close to the pure fruit, and that's puree. Um, and it's a very good product. We used so much of that. We used about close to around four fifty-gallon drums of the puree. Wow! In a sixty-barrel batch. Jeez. Yeah, it is a lot. I, I, that beer just gives me summertime, chilling by the pool, maxing and relaxing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like that, man. Like I really do. Like that's that's really like I said, I'm. If anybody who knows me, if you've listened to the show, if you heard enough times, you know I'm a Porter South Strong Ale. Dipper kind of guy Saison's I mean I'll drink them Obviously because they're in the, You know They're in the beer family Not my bag But this This right here This is a game changer And salute to you For making this man Thank you Yeah you know uh, We knew we wanted To make a fruit Saison um, And ultimately I chose grapefruit Because I think It was going to work well With how dry The beer is I mean that beer Is bone dry right Yeah 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 And so to Kind of accent that With uh, further tartness um, is, is what I wanted. It plays. Um, with Saison, you know, traditionally it's a very uh, fruity beer anyways, even though it is pretty dry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's why we that's why we chose the, the grapefruit puree for it. And I'm, I'm really glad I am. It's going to be a really, really fun beer to enjoy through the spring and summer months. Nah, you won with this one, man. So good on that. And guys, you're listening to Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn here at Meehan's Public House in Atlantic Station. With my man Galen Smith, head brewer or brewmaster? Head brewer, please. Head brewer, yeah. okay. And we'll get into that too a little bit, right? Head brewer at Lone Rider. Out of North Carolina. What city in North Carolina? Raleigh. Raleigh, yeah. I like that Raleigh Durham area, that research triangle. Yeah, it's a it's a very uh, it's a fun area to live in. Um, it's very grown very, very fast. So man, what's the what's the beer game like in Carolina? I mean, everybody who knows beer knows Asheville. Yeah. But, you know, Charlotte's got some really dope stuff with Wooden Robot, OBC. Yeah, Noda. All Noda. I mean, yeah, Charlotte's Greensboro's got some really cool things. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's the Carolina game like, man? Man, it's it's a little wild. Um, and 
So yeah, you have Asheville, um, who's you know I think it'd be fair to say started yeah. kind of everything with, with Highland, even though the first brewery was was uh, started on the Outer Banks with Weeping Radish. Weeping Radish, yes, they were the first ones. So, but then on the other side of the state, you had Highland opening up. Uh, you know, a little while later. But, uh, man, salute to Highland, by the way, man. Yeah, I mean, great. they still get it right. That oatmeal ale. I mean, so many th- oatmeal stuff. I mean, so many things they do mm-hmm. really well. Just good, down the middle beers. They get it right, man. Salute to those guys. Yeah, they do. And I mean, yeah, Nashville's got a, a lot of breweries there. Um, you know, it's very much a kind of a mountain person mentality. You know, they're kind of secluded up there in the mountains. Screw, yeah. screw it, we're going to make beer ourselves. <laughs> we're going to make And, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of breweries in North Carolina right now. And, um, I could be wrong, but uh, the owner of our company the other day uh, was saying that there's actually more breweries in the Triangle area right now than there are in Nashville. Um, well, how many breweries are in the research Triangle area, man? I'd put me up on game. In, in the Triangle area, there's probably going on 30, maybe. Wow, that's yeah. impressive. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, you guys know, like, Georgia, I think, has 40, the whole state of Georgia. Yeah. So, for you guys to have 30... In that area, that is, that is. It is. Um, and when you consider uh, that there's over 200 breweries in operation right now, and 288 in operation and in planning. Wow. Right now, in in the state of Carolina. Uh, wow. As of three weeks ago, yeah, 288 in operation and planning. Woo. Um, that's a whole lot of beer going on. Um, it's, it's, and it's just spread all out, you know. So, like, you have concentrated areas like right. Raleigh, Asheville, uh, Charlotte, and Greensboro. But then there's... You know, there's very small breweries, you know, like in Goldsboro. Yeah. Know, there's, like, a couple breweries in Goldsboro that opened up. They're, they're tiny, but they're real, and they're making beer. Right. Well, and it's interesting, too, because even, like, you're looking at South Carolina, you got um, Greens, Greens, Greenville yep. that has, like, one flew south and, like, about five breweries in that area. And so how does that play into Carolinas? Because, like, there's a, there's a Anderson has a couple breweries that are pretty good. Um, Carolina Bone House actually had them on recently. They're really solid. So, like, how does how does all that play? How do you guys all play together? That's a lot of a lot of breweries, a lot of brewers, a lot of people. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of beer, and there's a, only a certain number of restaurants and bars with a certain number of taps. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, of course, you got good people like Kelly who help you out, right? Yeah, and you know, as far as and she's right here too. Hi. Um, but uh, as far as the production side with brewers, it's very much a family. You know, if you need something from my brewery, I'm probably going to let you borrow it. Nice. Vice versa. There's not a whole lot of competition there on the production side. But I think I'd be uh, safe in saying that it is a lot more competitive uh, out there on the sales side. Um, you know, fighting for shelf space, tap space. You know, it's it's going to be it's gonna be weird. Because I, I, in, in Georgia, I compare a lot of things. Because obviously, it's where I'm based out of. It's where I do a lot of my work. Like I said, like, there's in the whole state. There's 40 active running breweries right now. I could be off because it could be one opening up as we speak or by the time this airs. But nonetheless, you know, it's a big difference from, like you said, in your city. There's 30. So, like, do the beer laws help you guys a little bit in that? And how does that kind of work with you guys? They do, yes. Um, you know, we are allowed to have tasting rooms in North Carolina. Right. We're allowed to self-distribute. Can you self-distribute in Georgia? No, you can't. You can't? Okay. You can't. So, yeah, you can self-distribute in North Carolina. Um, though there are breweries, there's a there's a handful of breweries in North Carolina. Um, right now, you can distribute self distribute up to twenty five thousand barrels. Past that, you have to sign on with a wholesaler. Right. Um, and there are, are some breweries right now in North Carolina that are actively trying to change those laws. Try to probably get get the get the barrels up. I know I was talking to like 
wooden robot. Yeah. And they, they, for instance, they were trying to get the, the amount of barrels up because they're like, yo, we just want to own, we want to own Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Charlotte and the state of North Carolina. Yeah. And maybe a little bit into South Carolina. And for them, that's enough. So they, they figure they can take their trucks and they don't have to go through a wholesale. But you guys, like you're in Georgia now. And how many states you in? Uh, seven, eight now. Eight. Mm-hmm. We'll be launching Alabama Wednesday. Oh, big time. Yeah. So starting March, you'll be able to find Lone Rider throughout the entire state of Alabama. Hey, well, since you're talking, you have to introduce yourself. I'm Kelly. I'm the Southern Territory Manager for Lone Rider Brewing. I cover the entire state of Georgia, Alabama, and parts of South Carolina and Tennessee. And she's a lovely person with a great spirit and a great heart. And thank you so much. And I may be calling you again, so... Don't go far. I expect you to call. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, being in eight states, so you guys obviously have different distributors. Oh, yes. And different in each state. Yep. And how does that, how do you deal with all that, man? You would have to ask our uh, shipping and logistics manager, Eric. Right. Um, he's the one that deals with, uh, you know, all of our distributors and making sure that, you know, the right forms are signed as far as, you know, getting beer into those states and doing it the correct way. Whew, um, that, that sounds like a grind, man. It does. You know, I'm very much a back-of-the-house back person. You know, I like making beer, um, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do Eric's job, and I'm very glad that there's people out there like him to do it. But speaking of making a beer, yeah, how many hours are you working in? Out there brewing, what's a brew day like there? Or is every day a brew day? How do, how do you, how's your schedule? Yeah, we brew right now five to six times a week, um, and we're operating on two shifts. So we're doing 60 barrels a day usually, or 80 barrels a day usually. Woo! On a twenty barrel brew house. So what we're doing is we're doing. Wait, 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 wait! You brewed on a. You guys brewed on a twenty barrel brew house. Yes, sir. So much fermenters, man. I mean, because I'm, I'm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no worries. Because I'm like eight states. You guys have a lot of beer. Mm-hmm. Twenty barrel brew house. Yeah. You better have some big ass fermenters. Uh, not as big as you might think. Uh, we have sixties and eighties. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, we have a good number of them. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, to, to fill a 60, we're brewing three times a day. Uh, first brewer gets there for the shift at 7.30 in the morning. Hands off to the second brewer at around 2. And uh, that second brewer's out by 9, 8, 8.30 or 9. Wow. On a, on a, on a 60, on an 80-barrel day, you know, to throw in that extra batch. Um, really doesn't take that much longer. So first brewer gets in at 6 in the morning. Leaves also around, like, 1.30 or 2. And then... Second brewer takes over and works till about nine, nine thirty, sometimes ten. And so, then on weekends, we're brewing very small batches on Sundays. Okay, um, and you know that's the fun stuff. That, that's usually the fun stuff. Nice. Sometimes it's just if we need to prop up a new batch of yeast. So, well, actually, you know what? We're going to take a quick pause for the calls here on Beer It Is on the CSP Network. When I come back, I'm going to ask him a few more questions about the brew house, and we're going to have a little fun with the name of the brewery and everything else. Guys, stick and stay. We're right here. Here it is on the CSPN Network. This is Tim Dog from the Comic Book Chronicles. Make sure to join myself, Agent 70, Dirt, and Roddy Cat live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as we discuss the latest breaking comic book news and also review the new comic books each week, along with discussing TV shows, movies, and much more. And make sure to go to our website, theclicknation.com. 
You can listen to the Comic Chronicles every Friday by subscribing to the Cold Slither Podcast Network. Alright boys and girls, welcome back to Here It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. We're here at Meehan's Public House, a.k.a. The Pub, down here at Atlantic Station, here with my man Galen Smith from Lone Rider out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Home of John Wall and a few other famous people that have come out of that area, mm-hmm. but maybe nothing more famous than my man Galen here. No, I don't know about all that, but, you know, give it time. Boy, then, hey, <laughs> hey, when you're brewing beer like this, yeah. to me, you're famous. Thank you. So, man, let's talk a little bit. We, When we last left, we talked about just the process and then making enough beer to keep all the distributors happy. So, therefore, people like Kelly are happy. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how you are able to make so much beer. So, from there, talk, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, water treatment and then just the quality control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so where we are in North Carolina, our, our water is very good where we are. That helps, yeah. Yeah. Um, it comes in a little bit on the soft side, but that's fine. Can, you get that French Broad River water? or is it? Uh, No. Okay. No, we, we don't. Um, but all of our water goes through a sediment filter as well as the active charcoal filter. Nice. And then from there, you know, if we need to uh, build up the water a little bit, you know, per style, we're able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, to make you know certain whatever salts and minerals yeah you know, make certain flavors yeah. pop mm-hmm. um, and uh, so yeah the water we use is, is, is very very good um, as far as quality control uh, right now we have a pretty for a brewery our size I'd say that we have a pretty decent quality control uh, program in place um, what we're doing is we're doing weekly tasting panels on all of our beer nice um, and you know really training our employees' palates on, like, what our beer tastes like at its peak, you know, what it tastes like as it's uh, going out of date, mm-hmm. what it tastes like when it's absolutely out of date, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, palates are interesting. Interesting. Some people taste off flavors better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, I'm uh, I'm good at oxidation. I'm good at DMS, diacetyl. I'm really not all that good at detecting. Unless, unless it's, you know, very, very high. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some people are, you know, the opposite. Uh, but so yeah, we do the tasting panels every week, um, and we get those QC samples from our canning line. Every uh, canning run that we do, we keep two six packs at least, and we put them in QC. Nice. That way, you know, if we ever get a call saying, "Hey, so I think something's up with the beer," we're able to go back to those QC samples, you know, look at the date on the on those cans, taste it, you know, and then we can also look back and if it's a beer that we've already done a uh, sensory panel on. We can see if there were any red flags on that mm, beer. When maybe we, you missed it or didn't, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, just other points of QC, like, uh, you know, lot analysis of our raw materials is very, very important. Uh, you know, making sure that the malt you're getting is good quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure all the numbers are in spec there. Uh, you know, a couple That's years important. ago. It's very important. A couple years ago, uh, the U.S. domestic malt wasn't so great. Mm. A lot of the numbers were just all over the place. It had a poor extract, a high protein, um, you know, low friability, and it, was, it, it wasn't very good malt. So really keeping an eye out and learning how to, you know, read all those numbers, what they are, is very, very important to making quality beer. That's real. I, I appreciate that. And then from there, like, 
I'm just impressed you guys like grew a 20 barrel brew house and you're in eight states. Yeah, me too. Like, how does that work? I mean, because it's, it's not a big place. I mean, and like you said, I mean, you know, you have a lot of fermenters, but I mean, that's a lot of brewing. It's, it's a lot of brewing. It's a lot of work. Um, surprised we're able to do it, but we've, you know, uh, we're very, very efficient at Lone Rider. Um, you know, as far as our, our quality control goes, but also as, you know, making the most out of what we have. Our mm. building is, is very small. Have you been there? No, I haven't. I need to go check it out. It's it's small. Um, but we're pumping out, you know, a lot of beer out of there. Um, and the way we're able to do it is by, you know, brewing efficiently. Um, you can go back and look at our brew logs. And on any day, you know, our brewers, you know, are starting, if they start up around the same time, are usually within five minutes of each other for processes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so... You know, being able to knock out a six, three twenty-barrel batches in you know thirteen, fourteen hours—it's pretty good. You know, making sure that, that kettle is never empty as soon as you know the word is out of there into the whirlpool. Making sure that your you know the work from your uh, next batch is going in there quickly, um, so no time is wasted. That's a grind. I mean, that's just yeah. being on it. And how many brewers do you guys have? Three. Three. Woo, so I guess you guys are really close, huh? Very close, yeah. It's, uh, and it's me and uh, and two other brewers, and uh, we're handling everything from uh, wort production all the way up to the you know fermentation, fermentation monitoring, cellaring, all the way up until that beer's packaged. So we're because you don't really have a cellarman, right? No, the the brewers are the cellarman. So we're doing wort production, fermentation, uh, you know, centrifuging the beer, making sure that it's ready to package, signing off on quality. On it, doing the quality control panels. It's a yeah. Being a brewer, loan writer is uh, it's busy, man. Are you married? No, I'm engaged. Okay. Yeah. So how does how does the girlfriend, the, well, the fiance now? Uh-huh. She knows she's getting into. <laughs> she does. She's in the industry as well. Oh, okay. So, Bless her heart. Yeah. <laughs> so she she knows she was a brewer before. Okay. And, oh wow. So she really. Okay. Yeah. Now she's a. Uh, she now works for for a brewing yeast company nice. called Lowlands, and so she understands the you know the hours that are needed to be put in. Ooh, that's a grind, man. It is, um, and it's hot. It's hot as hell in the summer, and it's cold in the winter. Right, right. But I prefer to brew in the cold. It's, it's just better. Though. Well, yeah, because I mean, because you, in your movie, you can warm up. Yeah, the moving and so like, tell me about your brew house. Like, is it modern? Is it old school? Mixed? Tell me, tell me a little about it. It's 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 Frankenstein, man. It, uh, yeah, so old school. Yeah, it's this old yeah. specific mechanical fifteen barrel brew house. Um, so and it was uh, it's three vessels. So we have a mash louder ton, yeah, oil kettle, and a whirlpool. Ooh, um, so that means you're graining out. Yeah, old school. You're getting in there. And- well, we do have bottom manway with a grain elevator. Okay. So you know, you take off that bottom manway, turn on your rakes, turn on the grain elevator. Nice. And uh, it carries all the grain outside into an 18 wheeler trailer. That saves a lot. It's that's so life saving. I know. I know breweries that have 20 barrel brew houses that have no rakes in the brew house, and they're man- grain. That is out. in there. Yeah. Digging and grinding. Yeah. yeah we've had to do it on occasion when our rakes, you know, the the motor rakes or the VFD for the motor brakes. And- you know, you're waiting on parts, and there's, you know, have to deal with it. You know, it's going to be a couple days of manual grain out. Um, but, uh, so our brew house was 15 barrels, um, and it was a pub brewing system. Mm. And, uh, but we found that our mash ladder time was oversized enough that we were able to do 20-barrel mashes in there. Wow. So we had a 20-barrel kettle put in there. 
and uh, actually had an um, external calandria put in there as well, kind of speed up the boil process. So as soon as you're coppered up, you're boiling. Mm. Um, and that's another reason why we're able to, you know, to kind of get as much beer as we are. I mean, so, okay, like, for the audience, explain to the audience when you say copper, like, explain that audience what that means. Yeah, there's a it, lot of there's a lot of words that we like to throw around in the, in, in the brewery to make us seem smart. I mean, I try to, I, I mean, a lot of people who listen, they know what that means, but yeah. there are some people, like, I get a mix of home brewers, commercial brewers, and just people who are learning. So I try to, when you say a term like that, I try to get, you know, explain. I will, yeah, so... Yeah. Coppering up is uh, when you've collected your final pre-boil volume. So, nice. you know, in our case, if it's a 20-barrel batch, we copper up to 23 and a half barrels. And, you know, a lot of that, especially with the calandria, which is a unit that sits to the side of a brew house or of the, of the boil kettle that circulates the wort through there and boils it very rapidly and uh, has a very high evaporation rate, which is why we have to collect more. Man, that's just a constant battle of just... <laughs> Like, how do you stay mentally sharp, man? Uh, you, you don't have time to be dull. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So you got no choice, huh? The knife's always in use, man. It's not... It's, it's going to stay sharp. True. It has to. And speaking of what you say sharp, you can stay sharp on Beer Knowledge each and every week. Here on Beer It Is, my name is Tobias Wilborn. I am here at Meehan's Public House, a.k.a. The Pub, with my man Galen Smith from Lone Rider. Brewing out of Raleigh, North Carolina. So, man, let's talk about this name, man. Lone Rider, because that also seems to kind of affect the names of the beers. It absolutely does. Um, so, Lone Rider Brewing Company was uh, named by and founded by uh, three guys um, who were Cisco employees um, and wanted to open up a brewery. Nice. Uh, they came up with the name Lone Rider because they were kind of doing it on the slot, you know, on the clock. Fair enough. Up this, this brewery, mm-hmm. and uh, so originally they wanted to, I believe they wanted to call it Outlaw Brewing Company. Uh, it was already taken. Um, and then of course from, it was. Yeah. <laughs> from Outlaw Brewing Company came Long Rider, and I just I guess they didn't like the way that sounded so much. Because that could go a couple ways. <laughs> <laughs> it could. <laughs> but uh, and then What are you that, advertising there, buddy? <laughs> yeah. And uh, then from that came Lone Rider. And uh, Sumit Vora, our CEO, um, is, is a very good marketer and, you know, created this kind of uh, theme kind of land. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, a Lone Rider movie that came out, mm. like, in, in the coming years with all these different characters. Because all, yeah. these, all these characters the beers are named after have these kind of intricate backstories that all kind of intertwine together and they live in this, uh, you know, fictitious uh, western town. Western town, huh? Yeah. Yeah. In North Carolina. I really, I really love it, too. There's a, a story on the Lone Rider blog about Shotgun Betty. Yeah. And it's her interacting with some things that have gone down with Deadeye Jack and kind of her her transition to becoming Shotgun Betty. I like it. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Ales for Outlaws is kind of our motto. And we try to, you know, work that into our ideology of brewing as well, you know, and then, you know, instead of brew, you know, thinking outside the box, what if there is no box, mm. you know, so really kind of, kind of brew with no boundaries. Just do it. Yeah. Make it work. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. If, you know, say, well, I can't, I can't make this beer. I can't mix, you know, this style of beer because of whatever reason, you know, saying why until you figure out a way to do it. Or just why not? Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it. And then from there, man, um, 
you started out from what from what you were talking about earlier in the craft beer. Parents were doing some stuff in Belgium. Explain that story to me. Yeah. Uh, so when I was nineteen, um, my father was living in Amsterdam, and I got to go stay with him for roughly a month. And you know, prior to that, well, I wasn't of age to drink in the United States. But over there, but over there, you could. But in the United States, you know, you're exposed to, you know, especially as a 19-year-old, um, and especially at that time, very, you know, classic Pabst, Budweiser, mm-hmm. Miller, you know, cores, which are, in my opinion, still very well-made beers. But um, I, I will say this. I can never sleep on the fact that those beers are consistent each and every time. Every time. Every especially time. considering how much they make in so many different locations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's make, the same no matter where you get it. Yeah. We were talking about water earlier, but, like, you know, that has a lot to do with the beer's flavor and, you know, making sure that the brewery in St. Louis is, tastes the same as the brewery in, you know, China or whatever. Right. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, back to the story. We are uh, so, was in Amsterdam with my father and, uh, was out with for drinks with him and his buddies, and I think I was getting like a mixed drink. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I was getting like a rum and coke or something. Right? Yeah, nice. And uh, and my, my dad's buddy gets this beer, and it came out, and just the way it was presented was just awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like seven hundred and fifty milliliter cork and caged bottle with chalice, and I'd never seen anything. Yeah, like that cork cage was there, right? What the hell yeah. is this? And I, and that's what I said. I said, well, Martin, what is that? He goes, he goes, well, this is uh, Chimay Triple, or mm. I'm sorry, West Mall Triple. West Mall, yeah. West Mall Triple was my first craft beer. Nice. Yeah. And it's hard to go back from that, man. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I still have a place in my heart for, for Belgian beer. Of course. Um, which is why Sundance is so uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, nice little Cezanne. But little, yeah. the rest of my visit in Amsterdam, you know, that's what I was drinking. I was just head over heels for these strong, bold-flavored Belgian beers. Mm. Well, I'll come back to the United States. Not only was I, I not old enough to drink still, but I couldn't... Um, Get that beer, yeah. Buy that beer because in North Carolina, up until 2006, you could only sell beer that was six percent. Six percent, yeah. No greater than six percent. And uh, but so it turned out, you know, a little while later, from an old high school buddy, uh, he told me, well, you know, we can make this beer. And so he got me into home brewing. I love it. At the time, I was a cook. Nice. Um, and so there were a lot of parallels between cooking and brewing beer. Right, right, right. right. So it just came very naturally to me. Uh, so what, what was, year was this, man? 2000 and. 2003 nice nice yeah and uh and I just went head over heels for it man I read every book I could I I was brewing every week so what were you brewing on at first man I was brewing uh, on a system I had built I I did one extract batch at home (laughs) and then so you you were on the stove guy you actually I well the first extract batch I did with my buddy was was on the was on the stove and I think I did one more extract batch after that until I went all grain uh on the stove and then it took forever built up a uh, a really sweet homebrewing rig nice yeah uh, all grain homebrewing rig so you're ready man. you're locked in yeah third batch yeah and I did that for, for you know I was doing that for a couple years and right around that time as a cook I was getting very burnt out because mm-hmm. um, it's a grind man it is and so I you know right around the time I was getting burnt out with, with being a cook I uh, found out that the homebrew store that I shopped at was hiring a sales associate, and I quit my job and I started working there. Nice. And took pay cut, but that's what I wanted to do. You know, I had, I had in my head that this, I was going to open up a brewery, or I was going to be a brewer somewhere. Wow. And 
you know, working at the homebrew store really helped out a lot. I had a sweet discount to all of it. And so getting a better understanding for all the raw materials. Yeah. What they did, you know, what kind of color the, the malts imparted, what kind of flavor they imparted, you know, how fermentable were they, what the diastatic power was on it. Same with hops in the yeast, you know. Mm-hmm. Just being able to really get my hands in there and play with everything. That's a that's beautiful, man. Yeah. So a couple years after that, um, I was... There was a gentleman who came into the homebrew store and was buying more ingredients than homebrew ever should. <laughs> and uh, I asked him what he's doing. He said he's opened up a brewery. And I said, really? Because this time, you know, this was 2008. And in North Carolina, like, there were still less than 100 breweries. Right, and most of them were in Asheville. Yeah, yeah, most of them were in Asheville. North, in Raleigh, we had we had Big Boss. Mm-hmm. And maybe Green Shields was still around at the time. Mm. But that was it. And so, like, I was like, great. And so I started volunteering for him, and a month later I got hired on, and eventually became a head brewer over there, and uh, was there for three years, and then joined Lone Rider. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so when you say head brewer, what's the difference between head brewer and brewmaster? Ooh, I feel like I need like at least another fifteen years of experience to be a, a brewmaster. Okay. At least, but everybody has a different take on that. Yeah, at least more gray in my hair or something. I feel like you need to be at least <laughs> fifty or something. Fair but enough. there's definitely uh, I, I'm a little uneasy with being referred to as a brewmaster because I'm not, you know. I'm still learning stuff all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, even though I've been doing this for going on eight years, um, I don't... still a baby in the business. Absolutely. And uh, there's still a lot left to learn. Um, Yes, I, you know, write the recipes um, and make sure that they are consistent, and I feel like I do a very good job at that. But to be a brewmaster, no, I'm not there yet. Right. I, 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 I have a lot it. of respect for people that I that I that I do consider brewmasters. Mm-hmm. You know. So who do you look up to in the business, man? There's quite a few people I look up to in this in this industry. Um, John Lida, formerly from uh, High, formerly of Highland Brewing Company, yeah. is a phenomenal brewer and just a real uh, you know North Carolina brewing hero, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Phil Markowski from Two Roads Brewing Company. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is an amazing brewer, an amazing guy to, to talk to and work with. Legit, yeah. Yeah. Um, his Belgian saisons, particularly, are out of this world. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's see, Garrett Oliver uh, from Brooklyn. Yeah. Is that guy's a trip, man? Um, I wish that I had his presence. You know, I mean, like he has a way of like he's got energy, man. Yeah, he captures an audience, and mm-hmm. and, he, and he, you know, particularly with uh, beer pairing mm-hmm. with food, you know, that guy knows everything. So mm. I look up to him quite a bit too. That's got to be pretty cool, man. And then from there, man, what's next for you guys? Who knows, man? Um, you know, we've already broken out into well, we just broke out into Europe. So uh, right now we're in we're in London, London, the surrounding areas, um, and that's been really cool. Just like the, the differences in like you know packaging mm-hmm. the products, we're using one way kegs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To go out there, and those things are neat, man. I like those things a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've been doing that now for I don't know a few months. Nice. So yeah, and uh, you know it's very positive. It means more response. brewing. What's that? More brewing. It does. So wait, did you guys expand the brew house? You know, after some point, right? Yeah, we're gonna have to move one day. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever uh, get rid of our current location. Of course, you know you kind of have to. You know, people identify the brand with with that building, yeah. that tap house. So we'll probably, I mean, eventually, say, you know, people always say, where do you see yourself in five years? Right? Um, I see Lone Rider probably in the same building, 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, more as a, like a destination point in Tasteram. With and a large, production brewery, a much larger production facility. Yeah, you know, some somewhat nearby. Fair enough. Um, yeah. And so, like, you guys, do you guys make money out of your tasting room, like per pint, and people still coming in to buy out of your tasting room? Yeah, we. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah tasting room makes a lot of, uh, of money, um, and we have you know a group of diehard regulars that come there every day. Wow, and it's you know it's it's pretty awesome. That's actually pretty cool. Like somebody can buy your beer. In Georgia or South Carolina, coming to Alabama soon. So it'll be nine states coming, and you know all throughout this. You know, I guess Mid Atlantic to Southeast, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. through Pennsylvania. Georgia and Alabama. So Pennsylvania to Mobile, we got you covered. Man, that's yeah. pretty awesome. But then, if I'm in Raleigh, say if I'm going to NC State game, I'm going to a Duke or a Carolina game. I'm in that RDU, that Research Triangle area. I can go by the brewery, the home. And try some really crazy stuff, right? You guys have some crazy stuff on. How many taps you got there? Uh, I think right now we have crew with the long draw system and the keg graders. I want to say we have like 12 maybe, 12 or 14. Nice. Not a huge amount. Um, but there's always really good stuff on there. And the cool thing about our tasting room is it's so central to everything in the Research Triangle Park. You know, you're 30 minutes away from downtown Raleigh. Uh, you're like 15 minutes away from Durham. 30 minutes away from Chapel Hill. Nice. Uh, practically in the Research Triangle Park. Oh yeah, the what they make you out yeah. So man, I, so Carolina, Duke, NC State, me, yeah, NC State. Oh yeah, sure. Ah man, he's got rid of the coach. Got basketball man. That's a tough. That's a tough program, man. Yeah. As far as I guess trying to figure out what they want to be and how they want to get their life together. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I'm not a, I'm not a huge sports fan. Mm-hmm. Um, That's my yeah. Yeah, my fiance is. I, I think I know what you're referencing, um, but she would be able to. Oh, she'd be able to break it all the way down. Yeah, and she was also a state grad, but I, I I'm a fair weather state fan because I just by association from growing up in Raleigh. So okay, okay. Yeah. So like, what, did, did you go to did you go to, did you go to state or where did you go to school? I did not go to state. Oh, no. nice. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, I just went to a to a tech school for a little while. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, the beers at the tasting room. You know, you're always going to find something that isn't available in the market. Um, we have one beer in particular. It's raspberry wheat that is only served in the tasting room. Ooh, that sounds fancy. Yeah. And then, you know, we have uh, specialty keg Wednesdays where every other... Uh, no, sorry. It's the first and third Wednesday of, uh, of every month. We do a, a specialty keg. You know, it'll be something like chocolate chipotle Josie. Oh, okay. Toasted coconut dada jack. Nice. Uh, jalapeno, hoppy Stuff like that. Happy Kaye. That would be a Happy Kaye jalapeno, huh? It would. Nice. Um, and then, you know, we have uh, other beers like uh, uh, Thoroughbred Pale Ale. Okay. And we have uh, different versions of Pistols at Dawn. Nice. And, uh, like we had some Barrel Edge Pistols at Dawn as well as the regular Pistols at Dawn. Ooh, uh, fancy. There's one I'm very excited about making it out of the tasting room this October and September, which is the Marzen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we also have uh, the Marzen came from a line that we had called the Beers of Ill Repute. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that started off as a well, outlaw. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, it started off with the Madam, um, which is the the raspberry wheat. But uh, the Beers of Ill Repute are just beers that we have fun making. Each one is a different brewer's recipe. Um, so uh, the Marzen and the tasting room 
is called Mein Klein's Pony Mars, mm-hmm. and it's uh, translates to My Little Pony. <laughs> I like it. And it was made by uh, our brewer Joseph, mm-hmm. who when uh, first came into the brewing position there, I, he gave him the nickname Pony because he was just young and energetic. That's funny. I like it. Go. And uh, and so that's his beer, and he called it My Little My Klein's Pony Mars. <laughs> uh, and then. Uh, I have a couple. Um, one of the ones I'm very proud of. I'm a big lager fan. I love lagers. Yeah, lagers are great. So you got to go by, by the way, Arches here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They're a lager first brewery. Oh, wow. If you get a chance, I don't know how long you're here or what, what the thing is, but uh, they're up in Hateville by the airport, actually. Check those guys out. They have some really cool lagers. They have, like, they have three lagers that are always on, then they rotate a couple. All right. Yeah. So that's one of the few lager Forward breweries. They got a Bach actually coming out that's crazy. Really? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's uh, that's my beer of ill repute. Is uh, it's called um, Goldie's Big Bach. Oh, Goldie's Big Bach. Yeah, Goldie's, <laughs> Goldie's my nickname in the brewery. Nice. And uh, I like the nicknames, man. Yeah. I like the fun. And um, so Goldie's Big Bach is, is a double Bach. Wait a minute. Where did the nickname Goldie come from, man? I, I can't really talk about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I- Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's funny. Guys, listen. You listen to the Beard Is on the CSP Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. About to close up with my man, Galen, a.k.a. Goldie Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that, that nickname is hilarious because I can think of a couple things, but we won't go there. <laughs> so, before we close out, Tell the people where we can find you guys on Twitter and Instagram and all those fine places so people can keep up with you. Or Kelly will tell us. So it's LoneRiderBeer.com at LoneRiderBeer on Twitter and Instagram. Go on out there. Check out the website. You guys on Facebook? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just look up Lone Rider Brewing Company. Lone Rider Brewing Company. Yeah. Hey, check them out. And if I'm correct, your site will tell people kind of where you distribute it, where you're at so they can kind of find you guys. There is that option. Um, if you have any questions throughout my territory in Georgia, Alabama, Greenville, South Carolina, follow you her. can follow me. It's at Lone Rider ATL, at Lone Rider Beer ATL, at Lone Rider Kelly. You'll find me. Yeah, and she's great. Galen, thank you so much for doing the show. Hey, man, it was awesome. Thank you. No, thank you, man. Hey, guys, listen, this has been Beer It Is. Now you know what's happening in the beer scene. See you next week.